Thanks for listening to the Granary Church Podcast. For more information, head to granary.org.au or follow us on social media at The Granary Church. Tonight we're, um, we're talking, as Dave said, about foundations. And some of you may think, oh, look, I've been a Christian for a long time, so, you know, I'm okay. I know all of this, particularly when you hear I'm talking about John 3. But you may be here tonight and you may be searching, you might want to know about Jesus. But the reason I feel like God is saying speak about foundations is, is as Dave was saying, COVID has actually rocked a lot of people in a lot of ways. And what you discover when you go through a time like we've been through is that a lot of things become confusing and you need to work out who you really are, what you really believe. And God, I believe God wants to build on that. I was listening to Beth Moore, who's a Bible teacher from Texas, and she was saying, she just feels God is saying, I'm tired of your performances. We don't need, and performance doesn't just mean here, by the way. You can perform to God in so many ways to try to win his favor. And I believe God is saying, let's get back to just what it's all about. And so that's what we're doing. We're doing that for this month. And we're going to look at John 3. My brother is um, a building inspector. And several years ago, he was telling me he had to inspect a house. It was a new house and it was a very expensive house and started to get cracks and they couldn't work out why. So he did everything to expect, inspect this house and he couldn't find out where, why the cracks were appearing. So he said to the owner, the only thing I can think of is that it's something to do with the foundations. The problem is we can't see the foundations because there's paving all around your house and the only way I can get under is we dig it all up. And if we dig it all up and the foundations are fine, who's going to pay for it all to be done again? So it's your choice. And the guy said, dig it up. I want to know what's going on. So they dug it up and the builder had cut costs with the foundations. And the foundations weren't good. And therefore, lots of problems were coming. Now, what you find in your life, and this is for all of us, not just some people, for all of us, Our foundations can often be a little bit shaky. There's something we missed out somewhere in our lives. And therefore, as your life goes on, you start to see cracks, cracks in the fabric. Cracks can come with you, the way you're feeling about yourself and about the world and the issues that are going through in your heart and mind and not knowing how to deal with those things. Cracks can come in your attitude to God and your attitude to church and your attitude to people. So many cracks. If you want to know where cracks are, cracks come where there's a lot of stress and when you are peaceful and joyful, that's when you know your foundations are really good. And that's the goal of our life in Christ, to be found in him and to have that security in him. We build our life on that firm foundation. So we're going to have a look at cracks and... um, You have to be honest with yourself. This is the thing. I'm not talking about the person sitting next to you or the person sitting behind you. I'm actually talking about you. And as you'll see in the story we're about to read, Jesus says that a lot of us are afraid of actually allowing his light to shine on us for a couple of reasons. One is that we think that he would be condemning us. And the other one is we don't know what to do when we actually see some of the realities of ourselves. And he says so kindly, he just wants to transform us into who we're meant to be. And he takes us on this wonderful journey. Well, the other thing is, almost two years ago now, in this time of pandemic, do you find it kind of blends into one sort of long blur? You can't remember when we're in isolation, when we weren't, when we're locked down, etc. It's just one long blur. Well, somewhere in that one long blur, when I had a birthday, we were all, it was locked down because we're all at home at our place five of us and we're sitting out in our courtyard having a nice afternoon and suddenly we said what is this really bad smell and we um, looked where the the outside tap and sinker and there was sewerage coming up and so um, we rang a plumber and 
he said, my birthday's Anzac Day, you see. So he said, you don't want me today because it's going to cost you a lot. So you have to wait till, I think my birthday was a Saturday that year, had to wait till Monday. And um, Caleb kindly cleaned it all up for two days, which was very gracious And because uh, it was bad. So he came and he looked and he said, oh, it's pretty bad actually and I'll try to get the electric yield down but the electric yield didn't work. He said, it's probably going to cost you about $1,600. It's a lot. So then he started to do that. Then he said, I can't get the electric yield down. So he came back with this camera thing on a sort of like a plumber's version of a colonoscopy. And that went down with little cameras and he came back and he said, not looking good. It's actually going to cost you about $6,000. Oh, my goodness. This is bad. Anyway, he had to start digging up our whole courtyard and it's going to take a long, long time to do this work. The house is 150 years old, by the way, okay. And the plumbing had been done. Well, the plumbing wasn't there when the house was built, but the plumbing wasn't done well. Anyway, and a couple of days later, he comes up, sits at my dining table, gets out his papers and said, okay, it's going to cost you $30,000. So I did say to our family, when you flush the toilet, please appreciate that that water flows out freely because it's cost us a lot of money. And uh, because what happened is all the pipes under the house started collapsing and what's more, some of them had been connected the wrong way. So one of them was going to the stormwater drain, which wasn't meant to go. So it was a total mess. And do you know what? Sometimes you could be living on your faith from a long time ago and your pipes are collapsing and there's no fresh water running through your pipes. That was, that, the analogy falls down there. There's no fresh water running through your pipes, sorry. <laughs> There's nothing running through your pipes because they're full of sand and sludge. And so two things I want us to look at, and I'm asking you to be honest about yourself and to say, God, we shine your light on me tonight because his aim is that you would have abundant life. And the only blockage between you and him having abundant life actually is you. So you've got to say, I just want you to shine your light on me and uh, show me what needs to be repaired or what foundations need to be fixed up. So let's pray and then we'll get into it. Father, thank you so much that we're here tonight and thank you for your love, which none of us really fully understand and we'll spend our whole lives learning to understand it until we meet you. But tonight, Lord, I pray you'll give us a greater revelation of who you are, of what you've done in the world and your plans for us. And as we delve into your word tonight, Lord, may you speak to the deep recesses of every heart and mind and soul here. May we hear you speak in Jesus' name. Amen. And I know that he wants to speak. I just know that every time the word of God is brought forth, God will speak. And I remember once I um, preached a message and someone sent me an email during the week saying, I love that message. And they had this quote, when you said this, that was just so helpful to me. I, thought, I actually didn't say that. That was not in my notes at all. So I learned that God will work despite me. So I don't know where they heard it, but anyway, they said thank you. <laughs> so I'm going to read from John chapter 3. I'm going to start off by reading from the NIV translation. And um, just the story, then we'll go on. You may have heard, you, if you've been a Christian any length of time, and if you grew up in Sunday school, you'll know this story. So I encourage you not to think, I know the story. I want you to listen. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born again when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. 
Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. Is anyone wondering why Jesus suddenly transferred from saying I to we? Anyone notice that? The only person I know on earth who uses that word is the queen. And, uh, but in this case with we, um, which is called the royal we when she says we, um, is it's the, te- it's the trinity. It's God the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. He says, um, I've spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. It's interesting that Jesus has to express that he didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world because people expect God to do that. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. Whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be plain, seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Okay, that's the story in the NIV. And you may have heard that in our little sections. You may have heard just the story of Nicodemus and then the section with God so loved the world separately. And then the last bit about the light shining on us, not very much because um, we don't want to talk about that bit that much because it's slightly confronting. And so we have, we often, there's the whole thing in context and that's the end of the story in John 3 and then it moves on. So now I'm going to look at it from the message version and I want to unpack some of it and I want you as you go through to look at you, not look at the person next to you, to look at you and see what God could be saying to you. So verses 1 to 3 in the message. There was a man of the Pharisee sect, Nicodemus, a prominent leader among the Jews. Late one night he visited Jesus and said, Rabbi, we all know you're a teacher straight from God. No one could do all the God-pointing, God-revealing acts you do if God weren't in on it. Jesus said, you're absolutely right. Take it from me. Unless a person is born from above, it's not possible to see what I'm pointing to, to God's kingdom. Now this is actually a strange response to what Nicodemus said. Nicodemus said, we know you're from God because no one could do all these things. And you might think Jesus said, oh, you're right. I am from God. I'm glad you worked that out. He doesn't say that. In fact, his answer doesn't seem to answer where he says, you're absolutely right. Unless a person is born from above, it's not possible to see what I'm pointing to, God's kingdom. So what what Jesus starts to do here with Nicodemus is to show that there are two worlds, two parallel worlds, if you like, that are existing now. There is the physical realm that you live in and that you're very aware of, but there's this spiritual realm called the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven or God's kingdom as he says here. And it is a very real world. And what Nicodemus is expecting, because Nicodemus is a teacher, 
He is he knows scriptures and he's a very, very good teacher, but he sees something here that he really wants. He's never seen this sort of power and authority before. And so sometimes you come to God and you want him to do these things, or you'd like the handbook of how to do these amazing things. And Jesus is saying, Look, it's not there's not a handbook, okay? And I know you're a teacher, but there's something else. There's something else here. There is another world. There is a spiritual realm. And basically what he's saying here is there are two worlds and I live in a different one. So what he saw with Jesus was this. Jesus was coming and he was healing people and he was casting out demons and he wasn't doing it through any tricks. He was operating under a different authority. He was operating under a realm of a spiritual authority. And what he's saying to Nicodemus is if you want to do like this, you have to be born into this other world that operates from a totally different authority. And so the question to you today is you looking at your life, whether you're a follower of Jesus or you're interested in being a follower of Jesus or you have been for a long time, which world are you most conscious of and which authority do you live under? Are you more conscious of the physical realm and what you can see are you, or are you more conscious of the spiritual realm and the authority of God's kingdom which far outweighs the things of the world that you can see? And you can choose which one you, you can live in. Jesus has opened the way for you to be born into his kingdom and to live under his authority. And it's, it's like this, you know, you have um, a diplomat who lives in another country, in an embassy, and, uh, and when you live there, say, as an ambassador, you actually live, you're an Australian ambassador in another country, you still live under the, the uh, authority of this country, you are paid by this country, and you're provided for by this country, by Australia, in another country, and your embassy becomes a haven for Australians and anyone else who wants refuge And it's like that when Jesus comes into this world and anyone who wants to be born into his kingdom, you bring a different authority into his world, into this world. And it's not just authority for healing and casting out demons, but it is that. But it's also, you see it in other other ways. You You see this forgiveness, which is not a common thing in this world, the ability to release people from sin, to, to give people grace and to give people kindness. You see people who are so generous and who would actually lay down their life for someone because they live under a different authority. Which authority do you live under? Which one are you most conscious of? And when you are most conscious of the one here, you're conscious of people and things and situations and they can weigh down on you heavily and cause you stress and anxiety and hard hearts and all the rest of it that can go on in your life and they weigh you down. It doesn't mean you're bad. It doesn't mean you're any worse than anyone else. It just means that you're living under an authority that doesn't bring joy in life or Jesus is saying you can be born into my kingdom. You live under this this, this different authority. Which one are you living under? Just because you can't see this realm doesn't mean it's not that you can live under under by the wealth of the kingdom of God rather than this world. So then Nicodemus says, how can anyone be born who has already been born and grown up? You can't re-enter your mother's womb and be born again. What are you saying with this born from above talk? This, do you find this interesting? Like he knows he's from God. He doesn't know yet that he is the son of God, but he's actually talking to God like, that's impossible. It's, it can only be the way I see it. So Jesus says you've got to be born again. But he doesn't say, oh, what do you actually mean by that and how could that happen? He goes, impossible. You can't get into your mother's womb and be born again because the way I see it, there's only one way for this to happen. I can, this is the only thing that you could mean. And sometimes this is how we talk to God and to ourselves about the things of God. Well, I've looked at it all and this doesn't make sense. So it's wrong. 
It's wrong. I can't believe that because because it doesn't make sense. And sometimes we we do this with with the world around us. We think we have to understand everything. But if you just step outside for a moment and you look at the world around you and how amazing that world is and how beautiful it is and how everything works so intricately together and how the trees and the plants feed particular birds and insects and everything forms an amazing ecosystem and the sun rises and sets at the right time and the rain comes and the world is amazing. And then in the world is you and you are amazing. You're amazing because you are so intricately made. There's parts of you that still people don't understand and you think and you feel not only are you a body that works but you respond to things, you laugh, you cry and what's more, you don't all laugh and cry at the same things. Dads say dad jokes and they think they're hilarious. No one else does and uh, that's, a, that's a mystery as well. So there's things that you laugh at, there's things that you, and you are, are uniquely you. You can taste something and say, this is the best thing I've ever eaten. Someone else could taste it and say, that's horrible because you are so beautifully created. There are so many things you can't understand. You can't understand how space operates and how the sun actually keeps staying in place and we keep revolving around all the things that happen. You can't quite understand it. But yet when it comes to the things of God, we think we can only follow them if we totally get it and Jesus is saying you don't understand so Jesus says this to him you're not listening and I wonder if sometimes to all of us if we sat still long enough got silence for long enough he might say to us so kindly but with such authority you're not listening Maybe you're facing a situation in your life and you've been praying about it for ages and things aren't going the way you want. Maybe you're grumbling and complaining. Maybe you're afraid of something. Maybe things aren't working out in some way and you're telling God what to do and you're telling God what's possible and you're telling God what's not possible. And maybe he's saying to you, just stop. You're actually not listening. And even ask yourself, have I sat to listen to God? Or do I just keep talking endlessly at him or just not talking to him at all? And he says, you're not listening. Let me say it again, says Jesus, unless a person submits to this original creation, the wind hovering over the water creation, the invisible moving the visible, a baptism into a new life, it's not possible to enter God's kingdom. When you look at a baby, it's just that, a body you can look at and touch, but the person who takes shape within is formed by something you can't see and touch, the spirit, and becomes a living spirit. One of the main reasons that I, I wanted to use the message was just this little bit grabbed me when I was reading it the other day. He says, let me say it again, unless a person submits to this original creation, the wind hovering over the water creation, the invisible moving the visible, a baptism into a new life, it's not possible to enter God's kingdom. The whole way of doing this is to surrender to the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's like that, that picture makes me think of, of creation of the, the Holy Spirit um, hovering over the waters right in the back in the beginning of Genesis and God says, let there be light and creation happened. And God is saying, if you want to be born again by my Holy Spirit, you've got to surrender. It's not about you trying to do all these 10-step things and prove that you're great or anything like that because it's got nothing to do with how good or how bad you are. It's got to do with you submitting to this original power of God that is a kingdom, that is a person. 
as you surrender to him, he breathes new life into you and you don't understand totally how that happens, but it happens. Something is formed within you. And then sometimes we think, well, you know, I gave my life to Christ, so I'm all right, because you thought it was just about a ticket to heaven or something like that. But it's far more than that. You know, if you've had a baby, or if you know someone who has a baby, you don't have a baby, you don't give birth to a baby or don't have a baby being born and then you say, there you go, you're born. We'll just lie you on that bed and grow up. Off you go. Just grow up. We don't do that. But for some reason, when we become followers of Jesus, when we're born again, because becoming a follower of Jesus is not just about head in your head saying, I'm going to follow Jesus. It's actually about you surrendering to this power that is so greater than you, a person, the Holy Spirit, and he breathes life into you and life is born within you. And then it needs to be nurtured. And in this world that you live in, there are these two authorities. There's this kingdom of this world and there's the kingdom of God and there's going to be a spiritual battle that goes on for the rest of your life as to which one you're going to live in. That's why it's great that you're here tonight because as you sing and as you worship and as you listen to the word, it shows that you're intentional about living in this kingdom of God where his love reigns, where his power reigns, where you are safe and where you are secure and where you're being transformed. But for this to happen in your life, you will go through trouble in this world. And as you go through this trouble, if you keep surrendering and the Holy Spirit keeps filling you afresh over and over again, you become the person, you become transformed into the likeness of Jesus. You become the person that you were always meant to be. And deep in your heart, you know that there is a person that you're meant to be. But that person can only come to fruition as you surrender to him. Not as you try harder, but as you surrender to him. So Jesus says, so don't be surprised when I tell you that you have to be born from above out of this world, so to speak. You know well enough how the wind blows this way and that. You hear it rustling through the trees, but you have no idea where it comes from or where it's headed next. That's the way it is with everyone born from above, by the wind of God, the Spirit of God. Now sometimes we think, well, I can't see it. I can't see the Spirit of God. But, you know, if you look out there, there's not much of a wind now, but sometimes there is. There's not now. But you know what it looks like. You know what a tree blowing in the wind looks like. And you've seen that so many times since you are a child that in a way you feel like you can see the wind, but you've never seen the wind. You see the trees blowing, so you believe in the wind. Or if you go outside and it's really wild, it blows you and it blows your hair and blows your clothes and you feel it. Sometimes it can be so strong you can't walk against it, but you can't see it. You still can't see it and yet you believe it is there. And Jesus is saying this is what the Spirit of God is like. You can't see him but he is a powerful force. And even now you know that there is air in this room but you can't see it. You're breathing it. But even the fact that you're breathing it is something you probably learned as a child. You you can't see it but you know it's there and you know it can be stirred up and it can become a forceful wind. It's present all the time. It's the same with the Holy Spirit. He is present all the time and he can be powerful. He is powerful. And if you've ever experienced him, you will know he's powerful. And once you've experienced the Holy Spirit, you will know that he is real. Once you go into a storm and you feel the power of the wind, you know the power of the wind is real. And if someone says, no, I don't believe in the power of the wind, you say, well, I do because I was in a storm and I felt the power of the wind. And if you've experienced the power of the Holy Spirit, you know he's real. And if you haven't experienced the power of the Holy Spirit, that does not mean that he is not real. It means that you haven't experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And so Jesus is saying, it's like this with the Holy Spirit. Don't be surprised, he tells you. The wind blows this way and that, and you just know it does that. And the Holy Spirit will do the same in your life. It's just up to you to surrender to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is kind and he's gentle, but he's also powerful. And there are two kingdoms, and the kingdom of God is filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit can be so strong and powerful that um, you will not be able to fight against him. He comes in love, but you won't be able to fight against him. Nicodemus asked, what do you mean by this? How does this happen? Jesus said, you're a respected teacher of Israel and you don't know these basics. Listen carefully, I'm speaking sober truth to you. I speak only of what what I have known by experience. I give witness only to what I have seen with my own eyes. There is nothing secondhand here, no hearsay. Yet instead of facing the evidence and accepting it, you procrastinate with questions. If I tell you things that are plain as the hand before your face and you don't believe me, what use is there in telling you of things you can't see, the things of God? So here he is with this amazing experience, amazing. Everybody wants to know what it's like in this world fully. And here he is sitting with Jesus who says, I actually have lived there. Yeah, I love reading stories of people who died and went to heaven and came back again just to find out what it's like, but they've only had a glimpse. Here you are sitting with Jesus who's actually been there and has authority in in the realm of the kingdom of heaven and he's telling these things and Nicodemus still, still questions him. And how frustrating must that have been? I was in another country once, I won't say where, and uh, lest I speak badly about this people group, and uh, they had some eucalyptus trees there and we had a discussion about it and uh, this man was trying to tell me that eucalypts were native to that country. No, they're native to Australia. Yes, no. They've been there since I was a child. Well, well that's good. I said, um, no, they actually, like, our koalas actually feed on them. Like, it's part of our whole country. no. No, you must have taken them from our country to your country. We didn't. No, eucalypts are native to Australia. No, they're not native to Australia. Oh, well, it doesn't matter whether I win or not. I know that they are. It's not going to change his life and it's not going to change mine. But it did sound pretty silly. And I think sometimes when we say to God these things, he thinks, oh, well, look, do you want to know or not? Do you want to know? Because I do know. And then you can make up your own theories and you're just going to look pretty silly. But if you really want to know, come to me and I will tell you. Come to me and I will talk to you. Because here you have Jesus who has, as he says here, no one has gone up into the presence of God except the one who came down from that presence, the Son of Man. In the same way that Moses lifted the servant in the desert so people could have something to see and then believe, it's necessary for the Son of Man to be lifted up and everyone who looks up to him, trusting and expectant, will gain a real life, eternal life. No one has ever gone up into the presence of God except the one who came down from that presence. What is your prayer time like? You know, sometimes our prayer times can fall into just a list of, God, please do this and I need this and I need this and I need this. And God does love us to come to him and tell him our needs. But if you're coming to one who lives in the realm of the kingdom of God, who sees all things, he sees things eternally, he sees the past, the present and the future, he sees your past, your present, your future, he sees you just as you are now, he sees the situations you're in now, he sees it from a totally different perspective and he understands how it all works together, wouldn't it be wiser in our prayer time to come to him and say, what should I do? What's going on here? What are you doing in this situation? How would you want me to pray? Because you have this treasure. You have God who sees things in the totally different perspective. 
And so you consider it like this. If you go home and read Romans 8, you'll see it's all hidden in Romans 8. Not hidden, it's all written very plainly in Romans 8. It says there is God the Father. So you just imagine a table. There's God the Father and he loves you and it says he loves you enough to send his son to die for you, to rescue you. And next to him is Jesus, your advocate. An advocate someone who fights for you, who stands for you. He's next to God, next to God the Father, and it says that he is ever interceding for you, which means he's always praying for you, always talking to God about you. Right now he, was, he is doing that, right now. Jesus is sitting next to the Father, interceding for you. And then it says the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness, and when we don't know how to pray, he helps us to pray. And so when you come with your shopping list, you can be a little bit like Nicodemus. You didn't stop and listen. You just didn't bring your pain and your sorrow and your questions and your doubts and your worries and your fears to God and say, please talk to me about this. Please talk to me. What do you want me to say? And even though Nicodemus asked some silly questions and we can look and think, silly Nicodemus, he's just the same as us. And Jesus sat there with him. And you know, Nicodemus had such a profound experience that you read towards the end of the Gospels when Jesus died that Nicodemus was one who went with Joseph of Arimathea to take Jesus' body to bury him. He no longer went in the dark of night. He went in the light of day because he encountered Jesus. And he asked questions and it's okay to come and ask questions. Maybe our prayer times need to be a whole lot more listening and a whole lot more looking at how amazing he is. And then we finish off with asking. Because he has made it so simple. He says, everyone who looks up to him, trusting and expectant, will gain a real life, eternal life. All you need to do is to stop and look up at him, trusting and expectant, as a child because you've been born into his kingdom. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son. And this is why. So that no one need be destroyed. By by believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger telling the world how bad it was. He came to help, to put the world right again. And what God wants to do is to come to you to put you right again, to get you in right relationship with him, with the world around you, with the people around you. He's the one who created you. He understands everything about you. And then as you are put right and as our community is put right and our families are put right, We start to become a world that is put right. It all happens with surrendering. Now, how do you surrender? What does that actually mean? When you're a child and you learnt to um, float float on your back in the water, what you had to do, and you still have to do it, is to relax. And every time you struggle, you start to drown. And you have to relax. And it's the same as that. There's so much going on in your heart and your mind. God is saying, just come and relax in my love. And as, as Jesus says here, to um, look up to him trusting and expectant. And when you feel yourself getting stressed and anxious and worried or upset or angry or whatever it is, you've got to learn to relax in his love. That is surrendering to the Holy Spirit, to know that you can trust in him and you can expect good things to happen. And to move with his Holy Spirit, when I was 10, I learnt to water ski and, uh, and to learn to, to get to come from down sitting in the water to be up, if you've ever done this before, you've got to allow the boat to pull you. And if you pull back on the rope, you will fall off. If you try to take control of it yourself, you fall off. That's a bit of a scary feeling though as you start to emerge from the water. You'll know this if you've ever done this. And so I'd keep pulling back and falling off because I was too scared. But one day as I was coming out of the water, we drove into this whole um, – patch of jelly blobbers the sort that sting there's no way I'm letting go now I'm going to do exactly what I'm told to do and I learned to ski 
I thought, oh, I can do this after all. There you go. And, um, and it's like that with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes when you go to surrender, you can get a little bit scared. What if he doesn't do what I want him to do? What if he doesn't go where I want him to go? And you just have to hang on and go for the ride and you'll discover that he is faithful as we've been singing. He's faithful to his promises. And so as we come to him today, I want to ask you about your foundations. Are you built on this? Were you living a life where you're just trying to do the right thing or have you actually surrendered to the Holy Spirit? Has a new birth happened in you? Have you been cultivating that child within who's growing up into the Holy Spirit? Have you been cultivating it or are you letting it starve and die? Are you feeding it with something to make it good and strong? Are you more conscious of living in the realm of the kingdom of God than in this world that we're in? Is your heart predominantly filled with hope and joy or something else? And as you allow the Holy Spirit to move in you, you'll find this this rebirth that happened in you will continue to grow. For some of you, it may have been stunted. For some of you, it may never have happened. For some of you, your pipes may be full of sand and they may need some flushing out. And as Jesus goes on to say at the end of that, let his light shine in you. And sometimes we want to hide from God because we don't want his light to shine on us because we're afraid that he's going to condemn us. But if you could look to Jesus and his love for you, you would welcome his shining light into your heart. And say, just show me everything about me and then change me and make me like you. Make me like I'm meant to be and let me be someone who brings joy into this world, hope into this world. And let's be like Nicodemus learnt to be and just to listen. So I just want us to have a little bit of time of listening. Bring everything to God. Bring your request to God. Bring your confusion to God, your worries. Bring the things that you're ashamed about or the things that you doubt the things that you're angry about, bring it all to him. You don't have to struggle and strain. Just surrender to him. Just submit to his love and allow that power of that Holy Spirit who breathed the world into life and who can breathe you into life to breathe into you for the first time or again and again and again. And live in that realm of his kingdom. Live under that authority. Rather than under one that will destroy you, live in one that is going to breathe life into you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Take some time now to consider what really stood out to you in that message. God has been speaking to you. What is it that he said to you? If you're in the room with someone else, turn and share with them what stood out to you. And I say to them, how can I pray for you? Share with them something that you love about God and something that you're thankful for this week. Or phone someone and ask them those questions. What do you love about God? What are you thankful for this week? And how can I pray for you? Bless you and have a great week.